0: Welcome back to the second half of this The Film Alchemist podcast double feature, the show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their sex magic. Ah, uh, it's not sex magic. Not here. In this. It, not this it's a one. dark, dark, cruel magic. <laughs> I'm your host, Josh Grimby, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and a warped, frustrated old man, Alex Dandino. <laughs> 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 that's right uh we are here today finishing the second half of the double feature selected by our dear friend taryn conway over on patreon uh so i hope you guys enjoyed harvey that's on your feeds right now uh and this one of the big shows that we had in mind when we created a movie podcast this was one of the big ones we've been holding off for a long time and we're glad to finally get to it before that old man potter over there is going to handle some business (laughs) Well, you all owe me taxes.
1: No. Um, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I have no idea at the time of this uh, airing what the big social media post will be. But in the wars, <laughs> I'm sure Wait, we're whatever's on it left. <laughs> Whatever's left, we're on it. You just find us at filmalchemist, at Pod. I don't know what our handle is anymore, to be honest with you. Whatever <laughs> it's called. At, just look up Alchemist, We'll be there. And, of course, you can email us, filmalchemuspod at gmail.com uh what else do we do of course rate review subscribe guys we are giving you gold we're about to talk about potter's five
0: stars in a couple sentences wherever you find uh youtube film alchemist that's a big one five stars where i swear uh, to god
1: i'm coming to your house and hiding your uncle billy i'm hiding i'm hiding uncle billy's we're gonna uh, beat the shit out of
0: uncle billy no matter what
1: this is gonna be an all this is gonna be an all all anti-uncle billy pod for sure
0: I don't want to go as far as to just say fuck Uncle Billy, but close. Uh, the other one, patreon.com slash Uh the best way to support the show. Taryn got this double feature created because of her generous support Guys, over on Patreon.
1: Speaking of socials platforms... It's only a buck to join our Discord, and I know the Discord will be there. Like, there's no reason <laughs> not to.
0: You're going to be sniffing around for uh, scraps when this is right.
1: Just come over to our version of Pottersville, which is the Discord. <laughs> there's a bitch in yeah. bar.
0: Come fucking hang in our social slums over there. For- <laughs> all right. That's the business. You guys heard the business before on Harvey. Uh, a little more business. Again, patreon.com slash phoemalgamispod. All right let's pretend for a moment we weren't cruel scurvying little (laughs) spiders (laughs) we're trying to get patreon dollars um i think i like many people right i have the the long family history with it's a wonderful life Mm -hmm. so when my mom remarried um i would have been six to nine years old in that range uh my new father who went on to legally adopt me Every Christmas Eve, we had to sit down as a family and watch It's a Wonderful Life. And I remember as a kid, there was nothing I dreaded more than having to watch It's a Wonderful Life. Yes. Because when you're pre-10 years old, there is nothing in this movie that I could relate to. I didn't have a care in the world. I had no responsibilities. You're just like, yeah, George Bailey should leave. He should do whatever the fuck he wants. He should fucking yell at everyone. Who cares? Because you're a child. This is one of the few things that was instilled in me as a young age, as a tradition, that I still happily carry on in my older age. I remember even in college, in my 20s, I was so excited I didn't have to watch It's a Wonderful Life anymore at the holiday time. Mm -hmm. And then I'll never forget, me and Amy were living in California. We weren't back home with our families for Christmas for the first time, and it was killing us. And we were reaching for anything that made us have a connection to our family at home, right? And I turned on It's a Wonderful Life, and I cried like a little bitch. Um, and I still do. Every day I watch it, I weep and cry and feel an overwhelming sense of joy and, uh, and excitement to get back to my life when the movie's over. It is truly one of the greatest films I've ever watched in my life. I'm glad that as I aged, I found a new appreciation for it. So Alex, opening thoughts on It's a Wonderful Life. I,
1: like you, have a very similar story. Um, This was a movie we watched every Christmas Eve. There are two movies that we have to watch every Christmas. They've shifted over the years, but these two movies have to be watched before any Christmas is had. Um, One is the Alistair Sim Christmas Carol. I have no idea why, but this is my father's request. And the other one is It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life is a very important movie for my father. Um, Again, I... Could not surmise the meaning for at least two decades of my life. Couldn't care less. I was like, I don't give a shit about this. I don't understand. All it seems is like pappy crap. I don't care. Yep. As soon as I started college and was away from my family (laughs) was when I started to understand why it mattered. And actually... um. Another there's um it's actually there's a very uh, in San Diego there was a small Equity theater down there like I so I when I we, my folks lived out started living out here in 2005, so when I started school in San Diego, I was an RA and I um you know picked the I picked the short straw and yard. had to stay yeah uh, in San Diego so my parents came down to Christmas one year, and um my dad and my mom found a small Equity theater down there that did. Um, basically they did it. It's a wonderful life as a radio play. So mm-hmm. the stage was set. There was a guy who came down that actually uh, was a uh, Foley artist from LA. He came down and they like the actors literally did it as if there was a radio hour. Um, it was fucking phenomenal. We saw it probably three years running until finally the sh- the, the theater, I think closed down. But it was an absolutely wonderful experience. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful story. And the movie is, the, the movie is richer. When you see other versions of it, the movie is that much better. But it is a really fascinating, it was a very fascinating experience, but it's a very meaningful moment, very meaningful movie for my family. Having said all that. Yeah. Yes. It's nice to have other appreciation for it in other contexts, but it is a really beautiful movie. And I will say it is definitely one of the greatest films ever made. It is literally the yeah. definition of Capra-esque. So Right. Let's start bitching about Uncle Billy. No, I'm kidding. Um that yeah. was like it's No, but it, it's it, it is, is this
0: kind of it's also like a quintessentially American story. It's a story, very American story. Right? Where it's it's this And for its time you can do anything, you can be everything, you can have anything, right? right. Mixed with the reality of where you are born, where your lot is when you're born, right? right the the pull of capitalism and getting everything for yourself versus maybe helping other people well right and there there is this this small town versus the big open world thing that really related to my childhood right um absolutely there there's so but george bailey becomes this quintessential person right i think as i've gotten older you see that george bailey has a bit of a martyr complex yes he's definitely not the victim of As much as I imagined as a younger man, but what he captures so perfectly, and I don't even know that this part is American as much as just human, is that there has to be something greater that I'm meant for. Yeah. Right? That I wake up every day and there's some amazing, unfulfilled potential out there that I'm not reaching. Mm -hmm. And it just means more to me every year that I'm alive. Yeah. Uh, And also, I'm not reaching some fucking grandiose meaning of my life. It's something that is just so primal. Right. I mean, I think that.
1: I I know me personally, I wake up most days feeling like like a failure. And what's nice is. (laughs) But, like, what is important about. Not to
0: laugh at your many failures, but. No, no, but that's exactly.
1: (laughs) But what it is important, and, like, this is the thing about George Bailey's journey is. Waking up and realizing that you you have achieved something, like your life is worth something, because there are these people around you that love you this much, and like, right to me for one, like I think what's interesting historically is so for one, this was Jimmy Stewart's first movie after he returned. He was because Jimmy Stewart served in World War II, so this was his first movie after he got back, first post war role. And I think besides Mr. Smith Goes to Washington and Philadelphia story, but mostly Mr. Smith Goes to Washington this I believe really solidifies what Jimmy Stewart's legacy is this movie oh well this has those like
0: close-ups that like he is working in this movie not only that
1: this is a pretty for being 1946 not a lot of movies address what this movie addresses at the very top of the flick which is God talking to Clarence and saying like Right. Hey, uh, Clarence, or this dude's about to 80s. the alien
0: overlords, right? Or Xenu, whatever you were
1: into. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> literally, God tells Clarence, like, "Hey, this guy's about to punch out early, and you're gonna have yeah, to." He's like, like,
0: "This simple fucks about to jump in the river. I need you to get down.
1: <laughs> I need you to get down." <laughs> he there. calls
0: him simple. I was like, "What the fuck?"
1: This poor simple bastard. Now, okay, Griffey and before I, before we over start,
0: the- before we start diving, before in, we though, get into this, there is, there is there is an element to what you were saying, right. That I wanted to get back to, which is this, your life has meaning, right? Cause I think the juxtaposition between Mary and George is so fascinating. Cause I feel this in my life a lot. Mm -hmm. I look at my wife and she's just so happy and content. And to her, she's achieved everything she ever really wanted to. Right. Like we want to see our kids get healthy to old age and have their own families and then with her and whatever. Um, but she's so happy and content right and so many of us creative types i think we every time we're having a moment of happiness we feel this fucking looming specter right yeah. that you should be doing something you fail and there's something about watching because this is what the other thing too i don't feel like a lot of movies at this time were are attacking this idea of the american man right harry in this movie is what we are all told we're supposed to be right right and watching george become this. This disintegration of the idea of the working man who provides and works hard and is a man about town um that that stuff to me as I watch just watching Jimmy Stewart as this vessel of vulnerability i I honestly would put this in my top ten favorite performances of all time. Oh yeah, I mean, that's just to get it out before we start dissecting the actual story of the film, but I wanted I to say how much this movie every time i watch it my life is richer for it yes it's a beautiful because eventually movie. we're going to say some things that you guys might not like yes but but i this I is agree. truly we have to get out. like the disclaimer up
1: front movie. is yeah. this is a beautiful film and it yeah. does make me reevaluate how much i like bitch about my life every time i watch yes.
0: it like i yes
1: i swear to god after we're done doing this i'm gonna go hug my wife right after this and my kids asleep right now probably give him a kiss on the cheek for he before he hopefully he doesn't wake up but
0: that's I'm going to continue to wait for my fucking redo, Clarence. Where- <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So now that we've said our bona fides about how much we love yeah. this movie, can we talk about God playing God and how terrifying that is?
0: <laughs> so I at one point was writing a horror film and I brought you on to co-write with me. And we, we wrote, wrote this segment about what is this? We were in a real like Tarantino thing, yeah. I think. And we wrote it. We wrote a thing about what is the scariest film of all time.
1: The scene takes place at a cabin, and basically, yeah. they're talking about the scariest movies they've ever seen. Essentially,
0: it's a bunch of college kids stoned college and drunk kids. debating what the scariest. What's the
1: scariest movie? It's a ten. So, By in way, our, it in is our 10 young minds, scene. if I re- yeah,
0: if I remember right, in our young minds, what we said is "Rosemary's Baby," "Free Rent and Babysitters," not a bad Pretty deal. <laughs> I think our second one was "The Shining." and it was the same kind of deal right free rent whatever i can't remember what our other ones were but what i wrote was that it's a wonderful life is the scariest movie ever and you and i continued this fucking uh diatribe for decades we've been harnessing this for decades but i think without a doubt this is the single scariest concept that has ever been in a mainstream major motion picture right yeah this is a fucking guy who stays in a small town right so let's put it this way. So not only is God the narrator of the fucking picture not show we see God at the start, right? So
1: bored that he's going.
0: Well, just the fact that God can hear like six yokels in a small town and be like, well, fucking freeze the universe. We gotta handle this. Hold on. But in the scariest way possible. So God loves George Bailey enough to let him lose his ear, to let him never he gives he instills in George Bailey the love for adventure, which he will never have. Right. He forces George Bailey to be a slave to the fucking financial grindstone, right? On yeah. top of the meanwhile, giving all of George Bailey's friends and family the inordinate amount of success that, like, everyone he knows is, like, a fucking killer in success. Yeah, Except for him. He's the only one. And then what does he do? What does fucking God do? He fucking strikes down Uncle Billy with one of the least functioning human brains in movie history. <laughs> God has essentially put this man in a jigsaw style, unwinnable life trap. And when George Bailey says you win, God, I can't fucking do it anymore. This sucks. He he goes, now Ah, I'm ah, going ah. to psychologically (laughs) torture the shit out of you. Clockwork orange style and make you look at how much more miserable everyone else would be. If you weren't my fucking whipping boy. Yeah, that is a fucking horrifying cosmic
1: terror. (laughs) It is a cosmic terror beyond any comprehension. It's the
0: scariest fucking thing. Because the only thing we have control of in our life, most people, is when our life is over. Right. Hopefully that is not something that we ever choose to enact, right? That our life goes on and you're happy, healthy, all that. It is truly, if you think about it, the only singular decision that you have any power over. And this movie says, no, you don't. Uh, Nothing uh, uh. you do will ever fucking matter. The only way to get out of this fucking cosmic fucking torture chamber is if you realize that this is George Bailey's kink.
1: <laughs> so God gives George Bailey this job-like existence. I mean, he
0: doesn't give George Bailey a love for adventure. He gives George Bailey a love for safe words and just, prickly things.
1: I mean, it's. <laughs> There's like a level to it that is so and again like i've gotten in tr- i've gotten like in trouble like banned from the kitchen for having this yeah. conversation at christmas like i've it's I, all there. I only talk about it with you now because like I my right. dad my dad has legitimately like, I don't want to talk to you anymore about this. I'm like, I'm this
0: is one it. of those things, right? Like when we bring it up, you see people get like about to hit you in the people face people have been mad. like
1: visibly upset with me when I tell I've done them, this
0: in the bar a lot, and you yeah. see people like, are they gonna throw that beer or glass yeah, at you? People me? get
1: like actually mad. upset about
0: this. But like <laughs> really Because you, it is such an emotionally charged movie for is, so many but people. But
1: when you really think about it, finally George Bailey's come to the end of his rope. He's seen all he needs to see. And he's like, just, I just need the sweet release. And and it's,
0: it's, he's just looking at that icy cold void. And he goes, you know what? That is, I did my best and I can't. Yeah. I did my best and I can't. So this is the thing. Lay this out in your mind as a fucking thought experiment for whore. First off, imagine it today. You knew with no fucking gray area. That there was an all-powerful being that was in charge of every fucking moment of your life. Right. Then imagine your life had gotten to such an unbearable place that you would think about jumping in that icy river. Two. Three. Then look back at the fucking gauntlet of bullshit this god put in your place. And what does he get in return? Four kids, a wife, a shitty house, and a couple people that'll throw ones in a laundry basket.
1: Oh, yeah, buy one. But, like, this is a huge thing. He won. We'll get
0: to the endings yeah. there's also horror in the ending. But that's what he gets in return. This man is saving God's creations from living in a fucking shanty village. Right. You could argue that Pottersville is more lit than Bedford Falls. But like, either here nor there.
1: Essentially. This is a
0: fucking terrifying concept.
1: Without. And this is, again, like, without.
0: Imagine if you're on your worst day, Alex Dandino, and I said. Now you got to see how much worse it is if you don't keep fucking feeling right. this misery. If you're
1: not, cont- if you're not the cosmic whipping boy for everybody, yeah. If you can't take huh. the, if you can't take the <laughs> sins of the father onto yourself, yeah. I don't like that is all. Your friends like,
0: will be murderers, whores, <laughs> dead.
1: I mean, if you just okay, so fucking
0: keep suffering. Like, if you don't keep jump, suffering, Uncle Billy. But even
1: no, I'm not ready to talk about Uncle Billy. And yet. worst of all. Your wife will be old. Your wife will be a librarian. <laughs> Clarence,
0: of all the shit he sees, Clarence is like, You're not gonna like it, George. That's my favorite. She's an old maid. It's, I it's, fucking love it. It's legitimately one of my laughing. favorite
1: scenes in the movie. Is I'm just like I've seen she this looks movie fine.
0: 30 times and I fucking forgot about that line and I rolled off my couch laughing this morning. <laughs> okay, so okay, so this
1: is that scene. He's like, You're not gonna like it, George. She she never got married. I'm like, Okay, cool. So
0: she's said, And he's great. staring at his brother's grave. Yeah. Right. His mom doesn't know him. What's the scariest thing? Your wife's not hot anymore, George. No. No.
1: <laughs> also, he like he like accosts her on the street. She turns around and like, "She looks fine." Yeah. Bro,
0: it's fine. Yeah, she literally just looks like she... an entire category on a pornography <laughs> website cuz she put glasses on. <laughs> yeah, that's it.
1: Like like, "All right, cool. So she's <laughs> a Pornhub click away." Got it. It's
0: fine. Okay, so we just <laughs> wanted to get that out of the way, right? This is without a doubt the scariest film ever made right 1,000%. because of the real world implications of this right is this as scary as the exorcist fuck yeah oh the exorcist might not be a demon for all you know right there's theories about that the exorcist is and the, who's in charge of the demons An all powerful god the you exorcist I mean? puts it out
1: on front street this is literally yeah. god saying i am so bored i have to cosmically yeah. remind this gentleman Throw out
0: every fucking demon movie right then take slashers big deal now you know there's a guy who's actually fucking wielding Michael's knife, right? right? You see the two sand prints on the beach and they become one. It's because God's carrying Michael Myers and his knife right towards your heart. So <laughs>
1: George Bailey. So, here, yeah. so like the movie starts with Clarence getting the history lesson on George Bailey. Like it was right. All right. Cool. So you find out the only yeah. way George like George saves his little brother and goes deaf in one ear. He's now respectful. back to
0: the wonderfulness of the movie. Right.
1: right. However, the only way, that, the, and the only way, and then also George's brother goes off to the war and becomes like a war hero. Yeah.
0: So then he's like, George, you also cost the U.S. military a whole boat of soldiers right. and so maybe World War II? Somebody,
1: like, no, see, seriously, his brother got the Medal of Honor, which means his brother mm-hmm. did some fucking hardcore he shit. He shot over down
0: there. a plane that was trying to blow up a ship right. and was, saved like thousands of lives. Yeah,
1: prevented a kamikaze attack. So. Mm-hmm. You would allow basically another Pearl Harbor to happen just so yeah. you can hear out of your left ear.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's he prevents fucking he prevents the shit.
1: pharmacist from killing a bunch of Uncle people. Uncle
0: Billy's in an asylum is the only good thing he. Uncle gets Uncle Billy for being in asylum <laughs> that's is, the only fucking upgrade.
1: The fact that he comes back <laughs> that in the nightlife in Pottersville. The is fact the that only he comes upgrades. back from his Pottersville his Pottersville quote unquote nightmare. Comes oh. back and Uncle Billy is still out. Not fair. Yeah.
0: If they come back, hey, like, like oh, what are we going to do? The druggist murders them if you don't get smacked around. Yeah, if
1: you don't get the <laughs> shit smacked out of you, the druggist murders
0: these yeah. children. Your mom, miserable as shit if you're not there to fucking pay the bills. Damn, dude, chill. Like <laughs> And your wife is old your and has bad vision,
1: <laughs> is a librarian and she's alone. Yeah.
0: She just reads a lot, She just fucker. reads all the time ah! and probably has a cat he recoils in uh, horror. Uh, your friend the cab driver just drives around with a straight face instead of cracking wise how about that <laughs> the lady who tried to fuck everyone but's gonna move on and do better keeps fucking keep fucking everyone how about that what do you think about that in the pool hall yeah what do you think about this stuff potter fucking literally rolls over the bodies of humans that you killed george bailey on his way to fucking drink lattes what do you think
1: of that fucking lionel barrymore is the uh, maybe one of the all-time greatest villains in a movie like so
0: this movie has three performances that are absolutely breathtaking to me and it's potter yep clarence and george yeah Are clarence is so fucking he might be the most lovable character in a movie and i fucking hate religion but God damn it, do I love Clarence. And God damn it, do I hate Potter. And God damn it, do I feel sorry for George Bailey. <laughs> it does just fucking work, man. It, it's. But, so to get uh, one thing I want to read, I want to talk about involving the actual movie and not the consequences of said movie. <laughs> there is a, a perennial theme in this movie, right? Of George Bailey missing his boat, right? The anchor chains, the fucking train whistles and the plane engines, right? So, he misses his chance to go to college because his dad dies. And he right. tells Potter to suck his dick. And they're like, Potter, I'll keep sucking your dick, but you got to stay. And he's like, damn it. Right. Right? Then Harry comes back. He's going to do it for a couple of years. Harry's going to come back, right? right? Harry comes back. He's got a job offer to do research, right? Yes. George willingly says, I'll stay. I'll stay. Right? Yes. When he's about to go on his honeymoon and just at least do a European trip, he, well, he's about to go on his honeymoon to do. There's a, a European run trip, on the bank,
1: a fucking run on the bank, because it's the. Depression. And
0: Mary runs up and says, "Let's use this to save the building alone." Right. right? Yeah. Mary's not even mad at him, but George is fucking mad. Yeah. George puts someone in one of his nice houses, right, mm-hmm. in Bailey Park. Yeah. Because he sees Sam Wainwright's got a better car and made a million dollars on bean plastic, he kicks his fucking door. Right. Right. This is all before Uncle Billy's fucking fatal flaw. Of course. Do you like, I think, that George Bailey is specifically choosing. George Bailey didn't miss his boats. He fucking jumped off of them. And then punishes everyone around him because he did that. He wants them to know that he's the guy who stayed.
1: Here's my thing. I think the first time was out of duty. You do that for your family.
0: I think when there's a run-up, I think what there is. Did he told his dad specifically? He's like, I can't be this fucking guy who's trying to save three cents on a link. But see, this is
1: but this is the what you're. This is important. This is what's important about George Bailey. Mm -hmm. We established since he was a child, George looks out for other people. This entire movie.
0: That scene when he, he saves his brother, the scene when he saves old man Gower I fucking is a master class in filmmaking.
1: I cry every single time without a doubt.
0: Unbelievable guy. stuff, yeah.
1: It is absolutely, it's it's a beautiful moment. And I mean, again, these are kid actors too. And again, I'm just like right. fucking floored every time. But this is like a really important thing about George Bailey's. George Bailey is inherently a giving person. He's a good man. He's a good person. And that Easy I think though. is, that. it's this... That is, like, the fatal... Or is
0: he, like, the person who fucking gives lima beans to the food drive that he's had in his cabinet for three years and he wants all the high fives? he's
1: not. This is the fatal flaw of George Bailey. It's a good and a bad thing. It's the double-edged sword of being a giving person. You help people. It's part of your nature. Like, when it's part of your nature and you help people, it is. It's
0: unfair because we see his dad as this, like, deified socialist. Sure. Right? And we don't ever see the actual, like foreskin of that right well to
1: be fair i mean this movie is literally about <laughs> reaping the benefits of capitalism but you know neither, neither here nor there
0: no this is this is a fucking <laughs> bernie sanders style guy trying to survive the yeah. fucking this is literally this, of movie, capitalism. this
1: movie bernie sanders wants everyone yeah. to watch this so and be like well that'll never work
0: and it yeah totally and his does. son whose kink is also getting spanked by capitalism <laughs> just saying but when he's sitting there, I love the idea when his dad's like, "It's cool, go." Like it is antiquated, right? Like we'll crawl to Potter, go. Right. And he just looks at his dad and he goes, "You want to know something, Dad? You want a shock? I think you're a great guy." There is a non-cynical read to that. Like this is a man who really, really admired his father. Yes. And truly loved his father. And he already worked there before he was gonna take off. I think
1: right? this is. This is why I. This is why I. This is why I get emotional when I watch this movie particularly this scene is yeah. always because look my we were not my parent like my parent my dad worked really hard when we were kids and he provided for us like my family we, we were very happy family like we got we you know we got along yeah. and we moved a lot but we, we got rub along. it in
0: rub it in guy with the dad it's cool man <laughs>
1: but this is the thing is my father go ahead
0: hee-haw i get it hee-haw <laughs> my
1: father i'm not i'm not i'll let you do it but this is like legitimate <laughs> My dad also became a lot of other people's dads. I don't know why, but this is the father This he's the man. This he's is the, the father that I had and I, I'm getting emotional yeah. talking about my dad because I love my dad a lot. But <laughs> this is because So uncool. My dad is a great guy. And because my father is that kind of giving person, he allowed that like he took people like that in a lot. Like it happened a lot when we were kids and I never really understood it until I was a lot older. Like, these were people that just became part of our family, and they were always, you know, family, and, like, just, oh, those are our friends. But I realized what they needed was my dad. They needed somebody who was important. And that, to me, is why George Bailey is such a fascinating character in just pop culture in general is because George Bailey doesn't want to admit that he is that same kind of man. And that's a hard thing to have to admit to yourself is that while you want to be this world adventurer, this other person, this great guy... Maybe at the end of the, or this, you know, this swashbuckling, whatever you want to call it, maybe at the end of the day, your great adventure is that you are just a good man. And that, I think, is a very hard thing for George Bailey to even, especially at the beginning of the movie, wrap his head around, let alone rectify with.
0: But why, why is it hard to just be a great guy, do you think?
1: I think it's hard to be a great guy because it takes a lot of it. Being a great guy means giving yourself to other people. In this regard, the George Bailey regard. There's other ways to be give your. There's other ways Maybe to it's give. It's unfair
0: because we spend a lot of time with George and see how bitchy he is, it's and true. especially how not good he is to marry. Often, very not good. It does not come off as the altruistic version like his dad. To be fair, I think if you were inside any marriage, there's probably a lot more of that going on than Absolutely. we assume from the outside, right? Yes. Um, I think that is one of the sad things about marriage is that when it's down, I think the first people that you start attacking are your partners. And that's Absolutely. not a great and I'm no. not hopefully most marriages aren't. And I'm an anomaly. But I know when things are bad, the first thing we do is turn on each other. And then we're like, fuck, we got to regroup. we It's sorry. the same thing. I do the <laughs>
1: same. But then, now, now, I'm it, sure
0: all the listeners have perfect marriage. I'll tell you I'm right now.
1: That. that is exactly like, to be honest with you. That's kind of what marriage is, but he, for, is supposed but to be. He
0: does in a really horrifying way. He's not a good – Because their first meet cute at the pool is a classic scene. It's great. Them singing. Mm-hmm. The old man telling him to kiss her. She's naked in the bus. All that is great. Yeah. Right? And then he leaves her in the bush, and he has to run to his dad, right? And that look on her face as she watches him go. Um. Them breaking the windows in the fucking, uh you know, conjuring house. Great.
1: <laughs> yes. That they end up fucking living in.
0: Yeah. But when he goes to her house that last time, right? And he's like, fuck, I don't get to go. Harry's going to get a good job, and I'm still in Bedford Falls. He goes to her house and seemingly is like, I will take you as something just to take away from Sam Wainwright. And he treats her so shitty that she breaks her record. She's crying. He's almost like, I'm just going to fucking kiss you in front of your mom. Fuck Sam Wainwright. It's pretty rough. And even in the next scene, when they cut to the fucking rice being thrown, you see her mom is still horrified by it. it's not. But that's because it's a really hard scene to watch. But it's because that, that it's is the a Baileys. scene that is you cannot, you cannot. It's one of the only scenes you have no empathy for George Bailey with, in my opinion.
1: I don't have empathy for George Bailey, but what I sympathize with is that
0: I is settling. Like, no. Our wives probably empathize with George Bailey. That wasn't Bailey what I was going to say at all.
1: One for one what i was gonna say was the sympathy i have for george bailey is that i am also not the smoothest person in the world so the fact that he bungled the whole fucking marriage proposal thing makes a lot of sense way
0: you ever have treated andrea like that in front of her parents
1: oh no absolutely not but again different you are a
0: gentleman if nothing else
1: i'm not saying i'm not i'm saying that i'm not smooth so that is like
0: (laughs) (laughs) that (laughs) is a a (laughs) big difference between like ah fuck yeah Fuck you. Let the cows fuck your corpse. Fuck you! Anyway, he doesn't actually say that line. That's that's an ad lib. That's me trying to make my point with lies. Was that's good. That's good. But I think my point still stands. No, no, I don't disagree perjury. with
1: you. Like there is a lot of there, there's a lot of the way that they are that is encumbered. Do
0: you think if Sam Wainwright's not on the phone in that moment, that he still fucking stays there and like throws down with her, or he just leaves and makes her feel like shit? I don't know. I think there's something about in that moment again. This goes she's back. She's Sam Wainwright's girl, and he's gonna take that. And it's I, that is the scene that's hard for me. I
1: think that that's the. This is the part. This is the and Harry of,
0: slapping his fucking housekeeper's ass. That was not great. Not that great. Not Harry did
1: not have a good moment.
0: Though. Harry, no medals of freedom for you. No your medals of honor. No,
1: no medal of yeah. honor gets you out of an ass slap.
0: Leave Annie alone. Bad behavior. There's unless think, him and Annie have that kind of again, thing. Again,
1: this goes to like. What is your willingness to, what is your willingness for George? Like George Bailey is a flawed character without a doubt. Right. Like there's no way around that. And I think and that's, what, but look,
0: that's the thing. Mary is such a loving and fulfilled person. It feels like,
1: but isn't that like part of the, look, like, not to put too fine a point on it, but and like, this
0: could be a, like you and a, I are a not POV necess- problem of societal roles at that time. Sure. I mean, look. But he treats Mary like shit. I'll put it this way: neither you
1: nor I have ever been that terrible to our wives. However, don't you feel pretty lucky that we definitely got away with murder, getting married to them? Like, there's a lot of this, like level. I agree. Cannot believe I got away with
0: it. It is that thing, right? When I'm mad and I take it out on people near me, but I always come back. I'm like, I'm fucking sorry. I fucked up. Of course. So, like, I get it. There is a thing, but he's so fucking brutal to her. And the scene that is fucking amazing this movie that i love w- one of like the 50 scenes i love when uh he survives the fucking building in lone day and he's dancing with the two dollars right
1: mama dollar he's mama like i
0: gotta go yeah. find my wife and yeah. they drive him home and his friends have put like fucking travel posters out and they're singing to him he's got a candle at dinner when he walks in that house and she is just smiling look at what i've done i've gotten two rooms livable right we're gonna eat and bang whatever right And she tells him, she said, when I threw that rock, this is what I dreamed of. And in that moment, you see in George Bailey's face, he loves this woman. But this is his fucking life sentence. And he is not happy with it. And I think that juxtaposition, right, is something that is so fucking relatable and human. There are just people that are fulfilled and happy. And there are people that everything like that they see that as like oh no it's encroaching i and in that moment because he tells her he goes you're terrific i think right or you're great mm -hmm. he doesn't say this is great you're great he doesn't want to be in that fucking ghost house
1: i think there's another read on that though and this is what i this is that this is the character development you have this is the arc that you always have to look for like Right. When we bitch about like one note characters and that kind of stuff, especially in a movie where we see this in like like when they do adaptations of a Christmas Carol now. Right. It's very difficult to watch because like we've seen like about fifty at this point in our lives. Yeah. And
0: this is an adaptation of a Christmas Carol. Right.
1: And everybody's always trying to reinvent the wheel when it comes to telling that story. You don't need mm-hmm. to. And I yeah. think this is what the read I always have in that moment is not Oh, fuck. Like, I'm right. stuck here. Like, there's, of course, there's a million things running through your mind when you see that kind of thing. You come home and this drafty-ass house that you never wanted, but right. what it is is the person you love, the person you've decided you're going to spend your life with, someone who means a great deal to you, even though you were totally shitty with them in the first place to get get to be with you. You the shit out of them to get them to marry you. And nor now there. you're cool. <laughs> <Now you're> going- <laughs> you see this person, and they say, it is what I wished for."
0: You're like, but
1: this is the thing the you read- know this too,
0: right? Because you're a creative guy, sure. And we talk all the time about how we worry that we're not doing this and that. You had to have had this, and this might be a little personal to say on the pod. I've had that day where I'm so fucking upset and frustrated. My depression's kicking in, whatever and Amy just wants to hug me. And she's like, I just love you. I love you for you. I wouldn't marry anyone else. You're everything. Like I'm so happy in this marriage. And I just for half a second, I almost get mad at her. Yes. Where I'm just like, you should want better. You
1: I, are. I it, think about that. It is
0: that thing though. Right. Where, when we Absolutely. are not happy with ourselves, we get mad at people who just but appreciate see, us for who you we are. You said it
1: right there. Like that's like, to me, that's right. the alternate read is like, Mary says, "I." And Mary says, like, "You know, I, this is what I wished for, and that to me is because I, I have the same conversation. I've had that conversation with Andrea this year multiple times. Just like
0: <laughs> this is, I I'm actually believe. killing it. I'm on the upslide. Amy might be in trouble. I might like be the, Andrea. The hotter, better. Like,
1: Andrea's <laughs> had to tell me she's like, I love our life. Like I love what we've yeah. built together, and I'm like, I'm yeah. I and mean, I've told her, I'm like, I'm sorry that I'm not. You know, I've had, I've had." This is also very personal. I've said at least on three occasions this year, I'm sorry that I am not the person I said
0: I was going to be. Uh, I thought you were going to say sorry for my tiny hog, but Well,
1: that's also part of it. (laughs) That's built into everything. That's always built into apologies. (laughs) But I I've said that and she's like, I I love our life. And that to (laughs) me, like what it is, it's not, oh man, like I want you to want the same things I do. It's that you're frustrated with yourself that Right. You don't value that moment. You're not valuing that moment the same way that person is. And I think that's like, that's always right. what George, the read for me is always George Bailey is upset with himself more than anything.
0: He loves her. He doesn't love the idea of Bedford falls and all of that. He doesn't like the small, simple life. Right. And I think that is such a relatable thing, right? Cause essentially what George wants to be is Potter and Harry and Sam Wainwright but still have all the friends he wants he wants to be there's that scene where he's like he's mad he can't go to world war ii because of his ear the reality of world war ii was that a fucking ton of people didn't get to come back. very well, few people came back as harry i'll right? say this
1: this is another cultural thing though and this is a really important thing like war to us is very different like I agree. That's like, true. This there is a, is a
0: patriotism to it. The
1: patriotism of World War II, like you know, if you've watched, there's not Bandit-
0: an enormous amount of patriotism left in our. generation. No, there's really
1: not. Not in this generation. <laughs> but like, you know, both. Like, I had yeah. I had two uncles. I had two. You great ever just uncles- log on
0: to Twitter and you're like, I'm not fighting for this. <laughs> I had
1: two great uncles who stormed Normandy Beach, but like, yeah. and you know, there are people who were 4F in that time that yeah. committed suicide because they couldn't go over there. Like the the shame. That's true. Like that. So I think uh, yeah. to me, that's always how you like,
0: the cultural that's a hard one is different, right? Just reading it as the character is that right. He wants to be the war hero, right? Well, he wants, right? he, wants he wants to be, be that's an adventure. Harry. While also, I think he does truly, truly love Harry. I don't think he begrudges oh, Harry, his no, success and no, 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 getting no. the wife and George. I don't think he looked at Harry bringing a wife home is that he bamboozled him. He, no. I think he truly loves it other than, but he's jealous as fuck of him
1: other than uncle Billy. George truly loves everybody in his life without a doubt.
0: No one can love Uncle Billy. That's Uncle why Billy he has is a pet literally raven. Literally
1: an unlovable piece of shit. But we'll if get you to
0: that. have a pet fucking crow or raven, that's a red flag. That's a red flag behavior. Right? If you yeah. have to keep track of your life with strings on your finger, that is a specific, an uh, idiosyncrasy. You shouldn't be working that you are a weaponizing piece, a building. Alone. Uncle Billy could have a fucking piece of paper. Uncle Billy could have a notebook where he writes shit down.
1: Uncle Billy could not work at a billing and loan
0: where Uncle money Billy is, changing is the only guy that makes George Bailey happy to be George Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> He's the only. George Bailey walks in every morning. Oh, goes, my God. My life, yeah. is,
1: my life is fucking awful, but I he am. He sits not down Uncle in Billy. his
0: office. He kicks his book and long legs up. He takes a sip of coffee. He looks at Uncle Billy. Half a hard on. <laughs> Half a hard on. That's how he starts his day every fucking day. He is, he is no, half. Uncle Billy for sure. is just the classic fucking rube. Yes, and I think he is the George is highly capable, and Uncle Billy is not. And the fact that Uncle Billy lost the money so he could talk shit about how great the Billies yeah. are, Ugh. there is a a delicious irony. There in that There is a de- moment.
1: very delicious irony to it. And you just want to beat the shit out of Billy. Uncle Billy is the
0: shitty, shitty family member who has the greatest heart. But you also can't stand him. You're also like, fuck, this guy makes my life. (laughs) But no, I I think that idea, though, right? Because there's even that moment, right, where Sam Wainwright comes back in town. George has brought a factory to the town. There's going to be a bunch of jobs. He's giving people good housing, right? Right. He sees Sam Wainwright come, right, as he's welcoming the martinis to their house, right? after driving their goat and kids at at their house when they're moving he loves it he gets there he's speechifying right mary gives them bread so they'll never know hunger right salt so life will have favor and uh wine so they can always be happy or whatever right Right. george wants to stop that for a moment when he sees sam wainwright and mary goes who cares and she continues because to mary it means something that these people also have a home and a family like she loves right Mm -hmm. which is really touching right And George goes and talks to him and Sam Wainwright's like, Hey, you could have been rich. I'm going to Florida and drives off. And after that beautiful moment, George Bailey, all he can do is kick his car door. And that is the constant fucking pull of our lives. I feel like as adults, right? I think so. We work hard to make money to buy shit. We don't need. And if we can't buy enough shit, right? Or we try to buy the shit. So we seem like we're having a happy life so we can put it online on social media then we're not saving enough and we're worried about that. And it's it's this fucking horrible thing. In that moment, George Bailey is truly helping another human being. Yes. Right? He's giving those people a gateway to a better life. And five seconds later, all he can think about is how he wishes he was rich and driving to Florida. And that is the pull of him. And it's hard for me, I'm probably more cynical than most. It's hard for me to draw the line of. Is this just an altruistic guy who's like, oh, shucks. Or is this a guy who was afraid to take his shot, right? We talked about this a lot when I was uh used to be an actor, right? Is that the reason auditioning is hard is not, you know, because it's hard to get a part or it's hard to act. It's hard to just have someone tell you they don't want you hundreds of times. Yes right to show up in a room where there's all these other people you're like fuck I'm not special and this sucks people don't want me right and it feels very luck of the draw until you like are a name right and there's something about this this mindset of the actor who doesn't try because in their heads they can be like well I had to have a family well I'm a little old now well you know mom got sick and that becomes this defense mechanism against, now you you always have this plausible deniability that you had all the talent. You just, life didn't work out. There's a part of me that watches this and feels like that's what George Bailey did. Is that George Bailey was afraid he was not going to be Harry or Sam Wainwright or Potter. So he stays here and he fucking takes these these moments where he is the big man in town and all these people love him for what he's doing. And I'm not saying that to villainize him, right? A lot of people no, live their lives and do a lot of good because yeah. that's there, – there's this theory, right, that there is no true altruism, right? That right. when you give your $1 to donate the Salvation Army, you don't care about the charity. You care that you're a good guy on your way out with your fucking $300 at Target. You gave $1 to charity, right? And so I'm not saying he's a bad guy, but there, there is this idea as I get older that I think George chained himself to Bedford Falls – in a way, I recognize that myself when I watch it. I doubt most people see it that way, but
1: yeah, I don't know if I would necessarily care. I mean,
0: because in that scene specifically, when Sam Wainwright pulls up, the veil seems to slip on his little ruse he has going, well, which isn't a ruse. He is truly a guy helping out his community. No, he's doing the right thing right? for himself, but it's one but of those things. But when he sees it through Sam's eyes, it doesn't do it for him anymore. Sure. like He there's... feels pitiful unless than. They yes
1: there is that which is sad (laughs) it is it's very what's sad about and that's and that's but that's part of the character development that's part of george's development overall is that by the end george understands that all this work he did in this town this little town that and, you know, he says it the entire, you know, it's when he comes back to life, quote unquote, and he's running through town. He says it to everything. He says hello to all of it because it's a matter of realizing that while you didn't go to, I don't even remember half the places you wanted to go. You didn't go to Morocco. You didn't go to Casablanca. You didn't go to Japan. You didn't go to Russia. Like all these places, just because you didn't go somewhere doesn't mean you didn't build something. And I think right. that is... I think that's part of the importance of because you have to like you can't just be this thing where he's this bitter asshole the entire time. Granted, they do not do a good job of covering it up for most part. He literally
0: is a bitter asshole until like the very last bit of the movie. The veil slipping
1: is important because we gotta be able to see that this guy like even though he's happy that he can help people, there is this part of him that still is like it's that twinge. It's the same thing we deal with when we're trying to be creative, is
0: just well, It's also the social, like, George Bailey would melt in the social media era. Because it's something we all deal with, right? This, and I think that's what he's dealing with in that moment, is this, when you have a truly good and happy moment, there's something now we have in the social media era where like, well, someone's having a better moment. We always devalue our own, like, for me, it's like, this morning when I was watching this movie, my kid just came and curled up on me. And you're like, that little moment means so much to me. But then you start comparing it against, well, you know, some guy's doing blow on the top of the Himalayas. <laughs> you're like, this doesn't seem as cool. But it is. It is great. It is a great thing, right? I would also love to be doing blow on the Himalayas. Granted, I would never hike or be in the mountains. But, you know, but like either here the, or there. But, not using, but we devalue our own experiences right. all the time by putting it. It's a keeping of up an with analogy. the so, Yeah.
1: like. Yeah my experience with having a three-year-old is its own adventure in and of itself. Like there's things that I can say I've done that not other people can say they've done either. Like, and I make my own little strides here and there and we do this podcast and there are things that I feel very, there are things that I, it's hard at 36 even to find that kind of value in the things that I do. It's very difficult for me. I don't know why, and that's, like, always been a thing. That's how, my, that's how I am. That's how I've always felt. So I relate, <laughs> not in the shittiness, but in the, like, grass is always greener thing to George Bailey. Like, I'm always wondering, like, right. did I fuck up? Have I fucked well, up? And, like, you know, yeah. I live with someone who tells me pretty routinely no, but yeah. it's hard to shake that.
0: Well, there's also this, like, inevitability of the movie that eventually it feels like every American is going to crawl to a potter. Yes. And no matter what you do, however great you are, right? A year after you're dead, it's gone, right? Like, the general people won't fucking care or remember. I don't remember right. or care about any of these people that have done great things when they die a year later. The only people are like your family, right? And your very close friends. They will remember you, and hopefully how, you gave them something to carry on with. How So fucking, it is this inevitability, right?
1: Right. I mean, and this is like, I think, then I mean, this is like, when he goes to him, this is, like, Lionel Barrymore's, like, great moment of being just, like, oh the my biggest God. piece of shit.
0: Well, it's the two scenes together, right? It's when George is enjoying the cigar and he's about to sign with Potter. Right. And he he's like, no, no, no. I have a kink for failing. Right? And he's, like, fucking whipping his ass and he's – that's the director's cut thing. But, but when he crawls back
1: oh, – when he crawls back... That scene and is fucking Lionel Barrymore lays that hammer down pretty nastily. Like I, It's pretty rare you have a villain. Not like... like pretty rare you have a villain that isn't going to kill someone who literally is like, man, you're more valuable li- dead he than alive. He sits
0: behind Shit. that desk and he just shits on all of their lives yeah. and says, someday you will all be coming and sitting in that fucking low chair Yeah, and I will fucking take what I want. He is... Like Thanos, an inevitability in Bedford Falls. He doesn't have to do shit. Right. They're all going to come to him eventually.
1: Because what happens
0: when George Bailey dies? He's got to fucking force one of his sons to go through this fucking hell.
1: And like Ant-Man, George Bailey is pretty much in consequence. George
0: Bailey shrinks into Potter's a noose. (laughs) And fucking comes to (laughs) Take that, Potter! Huh. fucking slice a little hole jumps up in there yeah <laughs> no um, and then the guy who jerks potter off is like dear god i'll push you around now you're the king he's like that's right stroke it so <laughs> that, that's also a directors <laughs> so george
1: so george basically has to be convinced that his life is worth meaning
0: like and well, I think that's cuz the scene before that is such again it's it's such a scene when you get older you're like fuck I have had that day. He goes home and his kids practice like my kids in basketball now so the the cacophony soundtrack of my life is nonstop ding, fucking basketball dribbling yeah. in the house, right? But the kids trying to practice the piano, right? The other kids like yeah. and it's like I don't fucking know. I'm not in grade school. His other kids upstairs sick, right? The other kid, you know, is fucking meh, meh, meh. And the wife's like, isn't this great? And you're like, I want to fucking die. Yeah. I want to sit in a fucking soundproof room and cry, but I have to do this parent shit. And of course he does the wrong thing. He fucking screams at the teacher. That scene when he kicks the fucking table over in the living room and his family, especially his kids look at him with that fucking look of terror, that abject horror i have a dad have fucking lost it. And i have a loud booming voice when i yell and i've seen my kids shake and look at me like they're a lawyer and i'm a t-rex yep and it is the worst scumbag I... feeling you're like i'm their dad and because this is the thing you don't know until you're a dad is that we're all just very fallible pieces of shit and we're yes. trying to learn like, on miserably the fly. fallible We don't have any answers, right? There are no answers anywhere, and you go through it, and sometimes you're having a bad day, and you raise your voice. And I see my kids look at me like I'm a scary guy and not their dad who protects them from the world. Mm -hmm. And it is crushing. And I think that is the very moment when George is like, I am hurting these innocent kids so much. I think that's the moment that fully breaks them. Agreed. That is the worst fucking you, feeling. Yeah, in the no, world. it's the worst and feeling. And if you're in a parent, world. you probably had that day. You and it scare is the worst fucking with, feeling.
1: When you scare your child with the discipline that you have to dole out, because like, oh yeah, just the shouting. Like I'm the same way, and I don't like raising my voice, but when I oh do, sometimes
0: it, you'll do that. You're yelling and you like stomp towards them because it's just how your body's moving, and they're like, "Fuck, he's huge," and they're yeah, exactly. It's, it's fucking horrible feeling.
1: Yeah, I mean there's and that that yeah, but like they're the last people on earth that you want to make feel that way and you're like yeah. I have nothing else to give.
0: And they're not doing anything to make you mad. They're just existing and being happy being, with no yeah, kids. They're just being kids. <laughs> there's something about their carefree joy that just grates on your fucking heart. It's fucking terrible. Yeah. But in that moment cuz he then goes to a bar and he fucking has a drink and gets punched out. Yep. He prays to a god he doesn't believe in. But it's that moment when his family looks at him and, and I think Mary even says, like, I think you should and she cuts herself off. Yeah. But I think in his he finishes that sentence in his mind mm-hmm. and he's gonna go, man. And the 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 grating journey for us, the audience, to relive our fucking many mistakes via George Bailey as we walk to that bridge. It's, it's brutal. it is a perfect example of that the countdown of the bomb is better than the explosion yeah right that's where all the fucking juice and drama is and yeah he gets to the bridge and clarence jumps in first right that shot where we first see clarence fucking like leaning up like he's on a fucking 90s hip-hop album perfect love it. perfect and yeah that's when that's when we enter the i wish i was never born fine you're never born right that segment of the movie, while it is interesting and obviously like a classic bit of cinema, I think that opening of the movie is just, that's where all the shit I love is.
1: Yes. I, I actually think that Potter, the Pottersville section, yeah. other than. The last the re- third
0: of the movie is fine. Yeah. That first part is where all the glory is.
1: Agreed. Like the la- the resolution of the movie is okay, but the, f- the glory of the movie is. I do have who a who question
0: goes. for you. Sure. Would you rather live in Bedford Falls
1: or Potterville? I got to tell you Pottersville looks pretty bitchin. They're I like, was
0: just like, fuck dude. I bet fucking- they are selling fucking studio apartments to hipsters like crazy. I mean, it sounds like, let's see. Bar, 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 brothel, bar, gambling bar, place, bar. brothel. Yeah, I mean it's like it's like the NoHo Arts District. Like it's Yeah, I was going to say that's a fucking gentrified downtown. What are we talking? About? I mean, I guess you couldn't gentrify Bedford Falls any harder, but...
1: I mean, you throw in an urban outfitters, you're pretty much good to go, you know? I mean, that
0: is every fucking little spot in LA, it looks exactly... I was just saying, I was like, Bedford Falls looks stupid. Like, oh, there's a building alone. I don't even know what the fuck that is. That's a stupid building. What the fuck? They have strippers in there? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, dude. Can I go gamble on the Dolphins and get a face ride? Yeah, come on down to Pottersville! (laughs) Two for one specials. I mean... You know, just out of camera too. There's like a fucking Hooters.
1: Of- there's a Buda. I just
0: think like, I think while that scared people of that era, I think all of us watching it today are like, "Fuck, I would way rather live I, in Potter'sville." I Book.
1: think the cynical adults watching it today would be like, "To be fair, if yeah. the worst thing that happened the, when George Bailey was the George, do I George- want to
0: live in the town where everyone's the guy who's worried about his grandpappy's tree?" Or do I want to be where every fucking building is thrown down? So wait a second. George Bailey
1: isn't around yet. Uncle Billy's institutionalized and there's a so hot So what we're learning is and... it
0: fucking, yeah. George Bailey's a narc and Uncle Billy deserves the asylum. Yeah, Uncle George Billy Bailey's should be in George Bailey's the, the fucking cosmic hall monitor that made these people not want a nightlife. I
1: just, and again, Come this, on. this is, look, and this is just me. This is just, if you're going to have, like, if someone's gonna be a librarian, Donna Reed, get the fuck out of here! All right, Donna Reed is a, <laughs> Donna Reed for 1946. Is okay, a fucking smoke show. So there's no way, There's no way Sam Wainwright yes, Wayne I Wright, when come right back and smoke. Some oh yeah. snack. yeah. Come on. Hee haw, hee haw, hee haw, You woof, know he does woof.
0: that when he fucks. Oh, for absolutely. Sure. But but there. Uh, this is also a a chance well again i think the movie kind of freezes for me because the thought experiment is fine but i i run through the thought exp- at this point it's hard for me to remember the first time i watched it right but the thought experiment is essentially over for me at this point and i just want to get to that last bit right yeah but totally him and nicks that's more of a clarence scene to shine right clarence is fucking killing it in that scene we see old man gower that's devastating he killed some kids right the scenes that really get you, right? Because Mary doesn't even do anything for me. No. Oh no, the lady I treated like shit is leading a good. Oh life. No, she. The scene that is librarian? fucking horrifying is imagining you go to your mother's house and she looks miserable and treats you like an asshole. She doesn't know. That fucking yeah, kills killed. me. Yeah. Right when his mom opens that door and there is a darkness on her face, right. And he's like, Ma, Ma. And she's like, wow, you don't know you. Get out of here. That, that is the scene in the movie that really. I was like, all right, Nick's is a little rowdier. Pottersville is lit. Yeah. Harry died when he was a kid. That's sad. But the mom. The mom I mean, is. The mom is devastating. It's not it's not good. But yeah, so that's that's the one, right? And then George sees her. He punches a cop who, again. Just opening fire in the fucking very busy downtown, right? Pottersville is a wild-ass place. But that moment when he he runs back, right? Because Clarence is really or- orchestrating this through, right? He goes to his house and it's empty. But when he gets back to that bridge and he's just like, I want to live. Please take me back. I want to live. There are two things that happen in that moment that still give me chills every time, right? The slow changing of the snow. Mm-hmm. And that little audio that lets us know he made it back, it's such a beautiful and cathartic moment that we are so fucking happy that this guy gets to go to jail in two months and whatever no, <laughs> but that that it's a brilliant transition out of that scene because it really hits a fevered pitch as we're at the end of the Pottersville nightmare yeah but what do you make of this return to Bedford Falls?
1: I mean it's one of the greatest cinematic moments of all time it's a man who's it's a man who's decided that like yeah like you didn't get to live this really weird choice in like how exciting your life's supposed to be like it's not that oh i'm gonna go be an actor i'm gonna go like work in hollywood it's like i'm just gonna travel the world whatever but like it's this realization that other than being arrested shortly uh your life has been pretty nice
0: so far yeah, I think just because the bank examiner had a couple whips of eggnog, I think there's still some fucking huge legally there's dubious issues. Lot
1: of, we'll get to it. Right. But.
0: And also, I don't know how much – I mean, how much are these people actually – throw? I would love to think that at the end when he fucking empties out the basket, he's like, we made $86. What the fuck? <laughs> I know. I, I, mean, I know the Sam same Wainwright thing. bails him out, but <laughs>
1: – no, We all know but Sam Wainwright forks over the eight thing grand. thing of but.
0: him running through Bedford Falls – joyously cheering the town that he's hated and thought of as a prison and hearing people call back in response to him wishing him a merry christmas um it's it's lovely man i think it's something that really hits home for a lot of us but the scene when he runs in to his house and he's all the guys are there to arrest him yeah but when he runs up and he grabs the knob and he gives it a You know, the knob that comes off all the time, right? Not Potter's knob. He grabs it and he gives it a kiss and he's happy that it falls off, right? And when the kids just descend on him.
1: oh man.
0: And when Mary comes in and he grabs her, right? And it's it's the the poster image, right? That we all love. And he runs down holding Mary's hand as that kid is draped on him. He's carrying a kid. In that moment, the chaos that made him a monster before. He's like, this is what it is, right? This is the fucking soundtrack of a life worth living. um, And it's fucking beautiful, man. And when he runs down, and they all run in to give him their fucking ones that they would have been throwing in Pottersville, but they live in Bedford Falls. <laughs> so they're throwing their ones. And then that fucking piece of shit, Uncle Billy, comes in and joins the party. It's like, not you! Not you.
1: You get, get the fuck
0: out. out. Dude, the fact that he didn't fucking shoot Uncle Billy. Bert, shoot him! <laughs> that is Uncle Billy just put him through a literal yeah. life-changing Literally, event.
1: Like, it bothers me that Uncle Billy is like, oh, yeah, you might go
0: to jail. My the friend, fact that that piece of shit jail. showed his face. What a fucking scumbag. When he made George Bailey want to kill himself just, and then find out there's an even scarier fate awaiting him. Yeah. By a merciless God, Uncle Billy shows up <laughs> tapping Harry on the shoulder. And it's like, you! You! I'm going to fucking strangle Get you to out. death with your fucking I'll ring finger string. kill straight. you. <laughs> oh, my God. If I know he can't do anything because God has punished him to this fucking Twilight Zone episode. How
1: badly? But he should have fucking murdered he Uncle He should have just Bill. fucking murdered him in front of everyone.
0: The next day, Uncle Billy probably ends up in that fucking river, and no one misses him or says anything. On the way out. Uncle Billy being at that house is a fucking insult. But, again, not to be cynical, watching those people come in. Right. And the, say even the guy who like when there's a run on the bank and he's like I want my full two hundred sixty two dollars he comes back and helps George right
1: at the end and
0: Annie saying she was saving up money for a divorce in case she got a husband it's just hit after hit yeah. after hit and it's beautiful and even the examiners are giving money and they're singing and Uncle Billy that piece of shit's over there probably losing other shit he probably right. takes the fucking hamper and throws it in the fire because that's what he does um, <laughs> yeah. but it's just it is a an overwhelmingly joyous eruption yeah and at the moment right he gets the book from clarence right and it has that no man with friends is a failure i'm gonna get teared up again and he's holding his kid in the fucking bell rings and you know that clarence got his wings um it's, it's just... perfect it's fucking perfect it's is is perfect an ending to a film except for when you put it out two weeks and you're, you're right. like. This is still horrible. And George Bailey wakes up every night saying, is God coming for me again?
1: Like it's perfectly uncynical until. Yeah. Until we make it cynical, right? Until you make it cynical, which is you're like, oh, wow. So the minute the camera's cut, cops are like, all right, well, you made $250. George Bailey goes
0: to bed, right? Maybe he gets to clap it. Probably not. He's probably got to put some toys together, stay up and pretend to be Santa, right? He wakes up the next day with no sleep. He's been drunk, beaten up. Jumped in a river, thought about killing himself. Hypothermic. Realizes he has to murder Uncle Billy. Potter's still going to continue those charges. Yeah. Just because – because this is the other thing. Everyone in the town is giving him that money that night because it feels good on Christmas Eve. Right? Again, George Bailey and the people of Bedford Falls have a charity kink. Yep. What happens the next morning when they're like, wait, did George actually steal the eight grand? Did George – because he took responsibility for it and didn't out that piece of shit Uncle Billy. They're gonna start saying, "Did he actually steal
1: that money?" So here's my question. And there's
0: gonna be questions. And are we to assume Uncle Billy won't keep fucking
1: up? So George Bailey mean, has to kill Uncle Billy. I mean, that does make Potter like the most despicable person because that means you know he spun out and spent eight thousand dollars on just like some. You bitch probably and just put rugs that in his fucking
0: big ass bank account.
1: Just and love him.
0: That's not his fault. If your fucking enemy tells you to suck his dick,
1: oh no, I don't. And don't then disagree. puts
0: his eight grand in the newspaper. I'd do the same shit. Fuck him. Uncle Billy's been fucking playing loose and fast for a long time. But also get this. So every night George Bailey goes to bed. The next time he has a bad day. The next time Uncle Billy loses some money. The next day Mary, uh, you know, starts like, oh, that guy down there at the library. He's a pretty good looker, right? The next time his kids fucking drive him nuts. He cannot allow himself to express a normal range of human emotions for fear that God will put him back in the blender. He is now a mouse who is not allowed to experience human reactions. And if at the end of this movie you're saying me the entire plight of a man's life who lives in a ghost house, right? Who has the fucking worst uncle ever. How many times do you think they're going to fill that laundry basket up for George?
1: Not that many.
0: Do we know this is God that helped him? Or is it the devil? Yeah. (laughs) Or is it Beelzebub? I'm just saying. Or is look, it Bezel boss? <laughs> was look, that not, was that not nebulas we saw at what, the, the butthole of hell? <laughs> look, I feel is, like such a douche for throwing look, this tar we, upon one of the most these, joyous. And we ever. take these
1: shots. We have to, because like, if you think about it though, it's all there. It's all there. Like, this is the thing. Uh, if and we were is, good enough to write that shit in, we would be so famous. We like, want to have a podcast. This is what's important about the Frank Capra mythos. and like, what it is because yes it's all there like it's ripe for the taking as we've taken it the entire hour we've been talking about this movie this is the most important thing about that though is the movie is trying so hard and it's telling us you should go the opposite like you should zing rather you could zig rather than zag it's asking us to be it's asking us to be hopeful. It's asking us to do the thing right. that George Bailey, George Bailey can't seem to do for himself, which is look at what everything that you have here. And that I think is the hardest part about. That that's really what the that's really what the movie is. It's it's it's, it's to melt the cynic's heart. And granted it doesn't because we're cynical. It does. Cynical. But it, I mean it, it still
0: does though, because I'm still sitting there crying and you're like, Of course, Fuck. it still works. Like, what I'm saying you is you start like, examining your
1: own life. That's what this movie is supposed to do. Because that's I've seen it
0: fifty route. times, I start filling in the voids and doing jokes and shit. But the ending of this movie is unadulterated good stuff injected right into your vein. Yeah. At an overdose level. Um, I mean, it's it's an absolutely perfectly crafted movie, in my opinion. Um I just think it's fucking amazing. And I love spending time, uh, especially this time of year, sitting with your own thoughts with Clarence as a guide, right? That, again, all the shit we talked and jokes we made. Oh, like, if you told me I could have 10 movies for the rest of my life, this would have to be one of them. Yes. Absolutely. Not even that it's one of my favorite 10, it's that important to me that I would need to rewatch it. I'm not a movie rewatcher, but I always come back to this one.
1: Mm-hmm. I it's it's just a beautiful film and it means a lot to me and I love
0: my dad. That's all. It also means a lot to me and I wish I had had a dad. So you <laughs> No, uh what can you say? Taryn, thank you Good call. for finally giving us the reason to talk about one of our favorite movies of all time i hope you guys have enjoyed this double feature uh this month the pod stuffing your stockings that's right these are all movies that our patrons selected we did our uh our drawing to see which movies we would cover so every movie this month on the main feed and on our patreon feed was selected by our patrons because we are thankful for them to the extreme thank them for their support if you want to get in on having a voice on what we talk about on this show you can join our Patreon, patreon.com slash Pod. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, that Love is it. a wonderful gift to us. And hopefully in return to you, uh, the YouTube film Alchemist, the email filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. We are on whatever social media survives the onslaught. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and make sure you're leaving five-star ratings and reviews for us everywhere you find podcasts. Please and thank you. Um, what a great night. Thank you again to Taryn Conway for this amazing dog.